Sally Graham was an alcoholic, a heroin and cocaine user and dealer who'd spent time in prison. And one night, one night in desperation, she told God, if there was one, that he had to do something or else she would kill her husband. The next morning, hoping to score heroin to murder her abusive husband with a deliberate overdose, Sally bumped into a former colleague who was a pretty harsh junkie. He was now a Christian and he urged her to go to church. Sally knew it right, right at that moment that God was real. He'd answered my prayer in a way that I understood, she said. She went home, she confessed to her husband Max. The following Sunday, she went to church. A week later, she was baptised. And then uh, Max went with her and he was baptised after that. Their lifestyle was entrenched in things that were hard to change, but they shifted into a new gear and a process of gradual transformation began. She said, I started to read the Bible and believe that God had things to say about my own life. Sally has been totally changed. She became a worker with Prison Fellowship. In all this, what's my point? My point is, if you truly believe something, it will change you. You will act on it. Sally came to believe that God was real and she acted on it. The question is, if Jesus is risen, so what? If you truly believe that Jesus rose from the dead, how will that change you? How will you respond? My first of three points this morning is Jesus has risen. Let's look together at this eyewitness account at the end of Matthew's Gospel, this biography of Jesus. In verse 1, it's very early Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, uh, returned to the tomb. Chapter 27 tells us the women had watched Jesus suffer and die on the cross. And in verse 61, they've been at the tomb Friday evening when Jesus' dead body was placed in it. And so they didn't come to the wrong tomb, as some people suggest. We're told an angel of the Lord came down to earth with a violent earthquake and the angel caused the stone to be rolled back. And as was pictured for us so helpfully, the guards there got uh, totally freaked. They looked like dead men, scared out of their wits. They probably went pale and froze with fear. And soon after, verse 11 says, they, they scurry back to the, the priests. However, they were not the ones the angel spoke to. The women have arrived. The angel speaks to them. Luke's gospel tells us it was inside the tomb that the angel spoke to the women. And now when we piece together the information from the four eyewitness gospel accounts, we realize that when the women saw the tomb open, Mary Magdalene ran back to tell Peter and John. And while Mary was gone, the other women went in and were met by the shining angel who announces to them that Jesus is not here, that he has risen just as he said. So this angel, this messenger from God says, Jesus has risen. Once when I was speaking with some grade six children about Jesus rising, and these children thought that by Jesus rising that I meant that he came back from the dead 
only to die again a bit later or years later. Like someone who's had a heart attack and been dead for a few minutes and then been resuscitated. But no, when we speak of Jesus being raised, we meant that we mean that he came back from the dead never to die again. The Bible says after 40 days Jesus ascended to heaven, he's with God, God the Father, he's alive now in heaven. Jesus has risen. Jesus is alive. Please understand too that his resurrection was a bodily one. Look at verse 9. He has feet that can be clasped, grabbed. It's not just that his soul has risen and his ghost is appearing to people. No. For Jewish people, resurrection meant the body being raised. Besides, Jesus' body was not in the tomb and neither was his body moved or stolen. Despite the story the Jewish leaders circulate through the bribed guards, verse 15, the body was not stolen. Coming back to the women, that they hurry from the tomb, verse 8, feeling blown away by what's happened, Jesus meets them. Now John chapter 20 makes clear that Jesus had just earlier appeared to Mary Magdalene. She's arrived back at the tomb on the heels of Peter and John. And so here in verse 9, Jesus is meeting and greeting the other women on the road. The resurrected Jesus was first witnessed by women. And please don't miss the astounding significance of this. Because in Jewish and Greek societies, women counted for little. They were nobodies, sometimes wrongly viewed as property, and they could not be witnesses in a court of law. But God chose them to be the first witnesses to the greatest miracle in history. And this is the supreme irony. For when God performs his greatest act since the creation of the world in raising his son from the dead, defeating death, it's testified to by the lips of those who were usually discounted. It's magnificent. Doesn't God validate the worth of women in this? Doesn't it validate the worth of women in God's mind? Doesn't it validate the truth of Jesus' resurrection? Because if Jesus' followers were faking the story that he was alive, they wouldn't have said the story. They wouldn't have made it up this way with women as the first witnesses. Jesus appeared first to women. And then he appears to his disciples. Verse 17. Matthew, who writes, this was one of them. Jesus has risen. The point is Jesus has risen. Do you believe it? Many people like Jews believe that Jesus died, but he did not rise. Uh, Many Muslims believe that he did not die or rise from the dead. I suggest, I think that many Aussies don't care or think it matters to them. The Bible says, though, that Jesus died and he was rejected and forsaken by God because we had rejected God. We've rejected God in our lives and he was suffering our judgments. And then he rose from the dead, smashing death for all who trust in him so that we could have life forever, not hell forever, 
but heaven forever. And so Aussies should care because it does matter. To believe in Jesus, to be a Christian, is to be absolutely convinced that Jesus rose from the dead for real. And for everyone who doesn't think it matters, or don't, everyone who doesn't believe it, the story of Easter will ultimately be their condemnation and not a nice time of swapping chocolate. So do you believe that Jesus is risen and living? If you've decided today that you do believe that, if you want to investigate it more or if you have questions, I'd love you to come and talk with me. In Matthew 28, Jesus being risen leads to two responses. And the first one is worship. In verse 9, when Jesus meets the women, notice what their first response is. They come to him, clasp his feet and worshipped him, we're told. When met by the risen Lord Jesus, the women fall at his feet and worship him. And the word for worship here means to fall down before someone. But it's not just about a body position. It's it's describing an an attitude of the heart, an attitude of submission. It's about giving honour and reverence and respect. And the women do all of these things. They've fallen at Jesus' feet. They submit to him. They revere him. They honour him. And when the 11 disciples are met by the risen Christ, what's their response? They worshipped him. Verse 17. Some doubted, we're told. That may be because there's more there than just the 11. And some of them doubted, but it more likely means that some hesitated. It's not saying that they were unbelieving and faithless, but that some were uncertain and were hesitating. But when Thomas, one of the 11, when he personally witnessed the risen Christ the next Sunday, what did he say to Jesus? It's in John chapter 20. The words underlined, my Lord and my God. That's how he responded to the Lord Jesus. My Lord and my God. You see, witnessing the Lord Jesus risen with a new resurrected body, it moves those who know him and trust him to worship him. And it's only right for him to be worshipped. It's only right for Jesus to accept that worship because he is God. And we may describe worship as an upward-focused activity because worship is directed to God and his son, the Lord Jesus, in heaven. And if these first eyewitnesses worshipped the risen Jesus, then I say, isn't it right for us to also In Revelation chapter 5, we're told here about thousands upon thousands of angels in heaven who say, worthy is the Lamb, that's Jesus, who was slain, killed. He's worthy to receive honour, glory, praise. And the creatures at the end worshipped him. When we know and believe that Jesus is risen, we should worship him. In our heads, in our hearts, we should acknowledge that he is God, he's the living Lord with all authority, as verse 18 says. He's the one that you and I should bow before. I've always been unsettled and offended when footy fans bow before a great AFL player. For me, 
Only the creator and the saviour God deserves that. I ask you though, have you bowed before and submitted to Jesus as your Lord? The one who's worthy of your allegiance, total commitments, your heart. Have you submitted to Jesus who deserves to be the most important one in your life? Or does someone else hold that place? Remember, worship isn't something you merely do for an hour in a building like this on a Sunday. It's a life. Worship is something you give to the Lord with all your life. Ten years ago at the last church that I served at, someone who I'll call Lewis became a follower of Jesus. Lewis knew that he had sinned and rejected God in his life and he put his trust in Jesus for the first time for the forgiveness of his sins and he committed to follow Christ as Lord. His whole life changed. He did want to worship Christ with his life, with all of his life. He looked at his money differently now and he wanted to be generous. He wanted to give to the church and a mission so others could come to know and be saved by Jesus too. He wanted to do what Jesus commanded in the Bible. He wanted to be kind to the difficult, frustrating person at work. He wanted to respect his parents, to love his new wife. And when he came to have children, he wanted to teach his kids to follow Jesus too. You see, Christ took priority over other things for him. Christ changed what Lewis lived for. I ask, is that true for you? Just like God did for Sally Graham, who I mentioned at the start. Remember her murderous hate, her addiction, her hopelessness, her God-rejecting life? was all changed slowly into a life where she actually came to love her husband and love her children and want to serve God with her all. And so if you trust in Christ, I ask, are you worshipping him? Not just singing his praise this Easter Sunday, but honouring him with all your life so that in such a way that you actually, you do what he says. What he says you will do. Is there something that needs to change in your life? For when we, when we bow before him in our hearts, it will result in us doing what he says. And one thing that Jesus says is in our next point, our third point this morning, the second response to the risen Jesus, which is telling others. I'm speaking here to all of those, all of us who already trust in, follow and worship the Lord Jesus. Going and telling others is a repeated idea, a key theme in this passage. Come with me, look again at the text. Verse 7, the angel instructs the women to go and tell Jesus' disciples he's risen and going ahead of them to Galilee. In verse 10, Jesus meets the women, says, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. And then in verse 13 to 15, the chief priests and the elders, they bribe the guards to tell others that Jesus is not risen. His body was stolen. So they're instructed to tell a lie. 25 years later, about when Matthew writes, he says that the Jews to this day 
have been circulating this lie. And yet in the face of lies, deceit, ignorance, Jesus wants us to tell the truth. Where to tell the truth about Jesus to others. That's what he says in verse 19. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. So Jesus is risen, he's soon departing, and he wants them to tell the good news to the world. And them telling others and us telling others, it actually flows from a heart that worships him. Let me explain. If you genuinely honour Jesus and you want to live for him, it will result in you telling others about him. It will result in evangelism because you will want others to worship him too for their sake, for their salvation, because Christ deserves it. It's for his glory. If we are so filled with wonder, love and praise, then we will be inspired. We will want to tell others about this one that is so wonderful. The word make disciples in the original language, it means to teach or train someone and to cause them to become a pupil or a follower of, in this case, Jesus. And God chooses to bring people into relationship with him as we tell them about Jesus, maybe through your testimony. My testimony often begins by saying, I grew up going to church and hearing about Jesus, and I tried to be a good person in response. But as a teenager, me being good and nice most of the time, my parents are here, so you will know that it, you can talk to them, no, it's not all the time that I tried to be good. But me being good actually just resulted in me looking down on others, thinking I was better than others. And at uni, it was then that I heard the good news of Jesus clearly for the first time, and I came to see and believe, accept that that even my looking down on others, me thinking I'm good enough, that actually my pride, my self-righteousness was sin and, and I could never be good enough for God and no one can be. But Jesus died to take the punishment for my self-righteousness and sin and, and then he came back from the dead so that everyone who trusts in him can have forgiveness and life forever with God. And I might finish by asking a question like, have you ever heard much or thought much about Jesus before? If Jesus has saved you, brothers, sisters, then you have a story to tell. You have a wonderful story to tell. Friends, Jesus is the risen Lord that we should submit to. He's the once dead, now risen and living Saviour that we should trust in, for he can give us forgiveness and life, peace with God now, a place with him in heaven forever. And so maybe when you're back at work on Tuesday or you're talking to your friend this week and I was thinking about friends talking and I thought that would be fun to be in a June buggy this week, you may not be doing that, but whoever you're talking to this week, Maybe you could still ask your friend, your work colleague, what you did, what they did over Easter. And maybe you could ask, what, why do you think we in Australia still celebrate Easter? 
And after you've listened well, maybe you could share about why Easter matters to you. Jesus is alive. He's the Lord with all authority. It's, and it's such good news that it can save us and change us, save and change others. But not only does Jesus want us to tell others about him, but also to speak to one another about him too. People start out as being followers of Jesus by being baptised. And then Jesus says in verse 20 that we are to keep teaching one another to obey everything that he's commanded. And so this telling other followers of Jesus, it means us talking about who he is and what he's done and the meaning of Easter and, and what he's commanded and that this teaching, it never stops. Maybe God wants you to be more regularly or to be getting back into the habit or starting a new habit of teaching your children about who Jesus is and what he says. Maybe it's, it could be you sharing with your growth group or a friend over coffee what God has been teaching you as a way to encourage them. But teaching people true information isn't enough. We're to teach people to obey Being a disciple is a process. It's a process of listening to God's word and obeying it so that we grow more like Jesus. Now, we don't all have the same gifts. We don't all have teaching and preaching gifts, but we should all have a ministry of encouragement. As our 5 p.m. congregation heard recently from 1 Thessalonians 5, the whole church, all Christians are told this, encourage one another and build each other up. That's an important reason for you to come to church and to come weekly. We're now serving percolated coffee. I hope you'll stay for morning tea. But don't stay for the hot cross buns you might have, Lord willing, this morning. Or the coffee. Stay to talk with and build each other up. Who does God want you to speak with and encourage? Maybe it's someone who's not even at church this week or who's not even come back to church yet. Maybe you've noticed your friend hasn't been at church lately and, and they actually need you to get in touch and ask how they're going and encourage them to come. Or maybe it is the fellow believer who's giving in to sin that the Lord would want you to encourage because they actually lovingly need to be told that their selfishness, their short temper needs to stop. Maybe you could encourage the person who's going through a hard time and suffering and you could call or you could visit. And maybe with gentleness and hope and love, you could remind them that because Jesus is risen, a life forever in an undying body, no more pain awaits us. Could you pray for them that they will believe that the risen and living King Jesus is with them? He is with them. Because that's exactly where Matthew 28 finishes. Jesus is the one who's conquered death for us. He's alive. He has all authority. He's worthy of our worship, our trust, our lives. And he says, tell others about me. But if you're like me, I think that's scary. That's hard. And I think we know we need help with that. 
And so how can we do this? Only because Jesus is with you to empower you and I to do it. Look at verse 20 again, the last verse. And please answer in your mind this question, when is Jesus with you? It's always, isn't it? Always to the very end of the age. Jesus by his spirit is with you and is in you to give you the strength to obey and to live his way. You are not alone. Today we've heard that Jesus is risen and he is risen indeed. And I finish with three quick questions. Firstly, do you believe it? Do you believe it that he is risen? Because if you do, it will change your life. Secondly, will you live this week? Will you live your life in worship of him? And thirdly, who do you pray will come to believe this too, even as you speak of Jesus with them? Who will you pray for? If we truly believe that Jesus is risen and he gives life to the dead, we will act on it.